Welcome to Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson, the podcast where we head down the road of the supernatural and beyond. So sit back and hold on as we take a ride together to what lies in the unknown and beyond the veil. Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson presents guest hosts, authors and investigators, Dan Baldwin and George Sewell. Dan Baldwin is a professional writer, often a ghost writer for other professionals. He has written and co-written or ghosted more than 50 books and has won numerous local, regional and national awards. He is a certified clinical hypnotherapist, plays the Native American flute, and is an expert pendulum dowser, having used the pendulum to assist in finding missing persons for over 15 years. George Sewell describes himself as a cognitive philanthropist. Active in all aspects of theater, his undergraduate degree in speech and journalism from Northwestern State University in Louisiana, and a Master of Arts degree in drama and communications from the University of New Orleans. As a playwright, he has written plays for community theater, college theater, and dinner theater. Vocationally, he is retired as a counselor, program manager, and administrator in the field of addictive disorders, including problem gambling. And now your host, Daniel Jackson, with UFOs, UAPs, Pendulum Star People, Alien Abductions, What's Next? Welcome to Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson. Me, I'm your host, Daniel Jackson, and... uh... Today we have Dan Baldwin and George Sewell on our show today, and uh, and they are. I don't want to say you are just uh, hunters or anything like that. I want to say you guys are more on the line of investigators. Would that be a good? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah. We don't we don't like the term hunter because uh, it has a negative connotation. We're yeah. reporters, uh, investigators, reporters. Yeah, explorers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think the same way. I'm I'm not too much on the the ghost hunting shows and all that stuff. They don't they always show the uh, the negative side of it, and they never really show uh, or talk about what this actually means. And and it's uh, from reading over these uh, the uh, your your bio here, it seems like you guys really delve into trying to find out what it actually means. Yeah, uh, George and uh, I've been I've been doing this for for many many years, and George and I have been doing it for a long time together. And we've never had what you would call a negative experience. Never. Sure. Not even close. Yeah, me either. Not really. I haven't yeah. had anything negative as well. They, uh, the only thing I've ever had with them is uh, they just seem to want to get my attention all the time. Right. Well, they like to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. Boy, they and they just talk about anything. I remember one time I was uh, putting some blinds up in my office back in Delaware because that's where we came from. And um and as after I put them in, because I like I like it to be real dark. I can see them during the day and everything, but I can see them better at nighttime. And when I did that, a woman's voice came right through and said, "Hey, nice blinds, babe." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, thanks." And I said, "I just put them up so I can see a little better." And then she showed her face to me, and I, and that's when I asked her because spirit has me. They want me to cross spirit over, and that's what I do most of the time. And the and I asked her, you want to cross over? She said, no, I'm good, but I'll see you later. Just turned around, walked away. I was like, <laughs> okay, what do we do next, you know? Just friendly neighbors. Yeah, absolutely. They're just, uh, they're no longer, they're no longer in this, uh, this meat suit, this body anymore. They're just, they've just moved on. That's all. But uh, people, you know, it's just the TV and, and, and movies sometimes tries to, uh, tries to, uh, 
make it a little bit more than it is. And I guess just because of the fear factor, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, I think, well, one, one thing, yeah, that they do that for ratings, obviously, but one yeah. thing that, uh, it's money, especially with Georgia, the research Georgia and I do, we don't go looking for it. And therefore, don't need it, to, doesn't, do you? it doesn't come looking for us. Right. Right. Cause it's just, it's just pretty much, uh, as I tell everybody, you know, when you wake up and you do your daily routine and you, you get ready for work and you go to work and you maybe you don't do your job, who knows? And then you come back home and you, you eat some supper and watch some TV and, and you go to sleep and wake up and do it all over again. Spirits around us all the time. They're just, not all of them want to be seen, but some of them do. And, but uh, they don't really worry about what we do so much because uh, they don't have to really do it anymore. They're not paying bills or driving cars, but the, but they, they seem to be enjoying their lives. So, um, and so I, I try to tell people that uh, there's a different interest there. It's not so much the uh, the scary movie type of stuff, but 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 people do get interested in that because you know they put so many scary movies out, which is uh, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I think one of the reasons George and I have been so successful in uh, in making contact is uh, we're not out there asking you know would would Cleopatra show up, uh, would Geronimo show up? We we walk in and say yeah. If, is there anybody here who would like to talk with us? Yeah. We carry on a conversation with, with all the respect in the world and all the courtesy in the world, just like you and I are talking right now. Yes. That's how we, we talk to whoever shows up. And yeah. I think on that side, you know, they, they appreciate courtesy. Yes, absolutely. And they respond to it. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't want to put up with the other stuff that's out there. I mean, they really do want to talk. It's It's just where they are. They are all equal there. And they would still like to uh, still like to talk to us over here because they do miss it being over here, even though they have some uh, some other amenities over there. That's, you know, I mean, no one's okay. no one's in pain anymore or no one's suffering anymore. But uh, I, I'm sure they miss driving cars and doing so, so all sorts of things like that. Yeah, well, one of the th yeah, one of the things we've, we've come across is a lot of times they, they come back here as uh as a vacation and i've we've used that word you know do you look at your, your visit here as a vacation they, oh yeah yeah I'm, I'm having a great time yeah yeah absolutely i mean there's lots of stuff to watch around here so why not so so what is it that got uh, the two of you or or individually uh interested in this so much what when how long ago did this start for you well oh, yeah ask george about that because he's the one that got me involved that uh, that led to the latest book your latest turn george yeah. <laughs> no, I've always had a, a lifelong interest in the, the paranormal, what you call the UFOs and that type thing. Sure. And, uh, back in the late 80s and early 90s, I was affiliated with the Mutual UFO Network as the assistant state director for Louisiana. Oh, and, good fun, huh? Yeah. During that time, I had the opportunity to meet with a number of people in northwest Louisiana who had had personal encounters of various types and were absolutely frustrated at wit's end that there was nobody they could talk to about what had happened. You know, family members, clergy. Yeah, yeah. you couldn't do it. The people thought you were crazy. But Absolutely. So they were very receptive to have um, a, a confidential ear. I was a counselor by training um, to just listen to. They weren't wanting to explore what the reality of it was or anything. They just wanted to just get it out. Yeah. And uh, very often I was able to reassure them that, uh, I had heard from other people uh, very similar uh, occurrences. And 
that uh, kind of set up the background for what kicked off this whole project. And that was a couple of years ago, um, the phone rang one night and I didn't recognize the number, but I was handling my late wife's estate at the time. So I answered in case it was part of that. Sure. And it was, uh, is this George Sewell? Uh, yes. Well, this is Lindsay Higgins. And so-and-so said, I could call you and we could talk. And I recognized the, the person that we both knew. And that person was aware of my interest in the UFO field. And Lindsay began a two-hour conversation starting at age two up to the present that was just filled with all sorts of paranormal encounters, uh, involvements with uh, what we would call extraterrestrials, uh, a couple of, if you will, abductions, one of which is uh, dramatically recreated in the Netflix uh, episode five, season one of Haunted. And, and that's actually where I met Lindsay in person uh, was when we were both on location in Los Angeles for the Netflix filming. And after that, uh, Dan was in town on occasion doing research for his first two paranormal pendulum books where we would, we would go to haunted locations in Shreveport and Bossier. And with the pendulum, he would communicate with whatever the present was. And we'd find out who's, who's haunting the Flying Heart Brewery, that type thing. Sure. And uh, in that process, uh, kind of introduced Dan when he was in town to Lindsay and her husband. And we all got along great. And it was just kind of a, a well, this is where we got to go. The pendulum is a great investigative tool. And Lindsay, the reason this whole Netflix things came up was she has sat on all of her experiences all of her entire life. Nobody she could talk to. Family wouldn't, couldn't, couldn't handle it. And she just reached a point to where she just had to get it out, literally. Mm -hmm. And she came across a podcast that mentioned that uh, a Hollywood production company was looking for paranormal stories, if you will, true life paranormal experiences sure. uh, for uh, the Netflix series. And she decided to use that vehicle, wrote up her experience, and after much hesitation, finally hit the send button, sent it out. And within 14 hours, she had heard back from the company. Yes, they definitely want to talk with her about her, uh, her story. The next day, she had a Skype interview. Boom. Yes, they booked it. So, I mean, it just went fast. Click, 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 click. And uh, it was just a natural for today to come on board. And let's find out what's going on with Lindsay Higgins. And that was, that was uh, quite the two years. And did the... Do you believe that uh, the Netflix series actually did did it justice for her in, in describing what happened? Uh, they captured uh, the recreations. It's it's a twenty minute episode, so it's sure. very brief. But uh, what they're trying to do, they they recreate some of her flashback memories of supposed abduction experiences, usually involving medical type procedures, which uh, she was uh, terrified of as a child. But they they do do a nice job recreating a, an event that occurred when Lindsay was a sophomore in college in, in Shreveport, where uh, late one night, um, she looks through a window and sees a bright light out in the part of the area that there's no lights out there. There should not be lights out there. And then the wall starts dissolving. And then the light beam comes in and literally picks her up. And as Lindsay said, jerked her out of the room. Mm. She grabs the ceiling there's a ceiling fan. She grabs the blades 
and it, she's trying to hold on, but it jerks her out the window and off she goes into the craft. Uh, that, that gave a pretty good depiction of that event. And we have reason to uh, believe it because uh, as Lindsay would say, she's not a very good housekeeper and the fan blades were very dusty and you could very clearly see her finger streaks across sure. the blade. Sure. Sure, and, and and to me, it sounds like it was just uh, a little bit too detailed to not be true. Yeah, and, and Lindsay, whenever she recounts any of her experiences, it, it's always the same. There's no deviation. Right. So, Do you, uh, have you guys kept in contact with her since then? Yeah, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Does, does she still go through these experiences? I mean, because it sounds to me uh, that when the whoever it is is being abducted it seems as though they are abducted uh, frequently so they they like to bring them back over and over and over again would you say that's a, a good assumption well let me pass that over to dan to talk about a six thousand year old agreement okay yeah well yeah one the Lindsay definitely has been uh, uh her experiences are, are definitely ongoing uh the interesting the thing that came out in uh in researching this book is uh, one uh, your listeners will uh, and viewers will probably find most interesting. This case involves not only UFOs and UFO abductions, it also involves uh, contact with the spirit world and also reincarnation. It's all kind of tied together. And from what we found out, and we don't know the full story yet, but what we found out is about 4,000 years ago, the spirit of the woman who is now Lindsay Higgins made an agreement with an evolved being somebody from one of the, uh, you know, not an angel, but someone from a very highly evolved spiritual realm. Sure. And the agreement was that she would reincarnate throughout time yeah. in a long-term program to basically help the human species evolve into a higher realm. And that is what, what she is doing. And, you know, it's been going on for 4,000 years. And uh, apparently George and I are involved in, in part of that and have been involved in it for for some time we don't know exactly how long but we're involved in that process also yeah and, and i talk to people all the time about reincarnation and why it happens and uh, we do keep coming back over and over and over again oh, there, was an there was an interesting angle uh, with that uh, with lindsay's family um lindsay her sister and her father um as best we can determine, and we have some pretty strong indications that they their most recent incarnation, other than the current one, was a father and two daughters living in Shreveport at the uh, end of the 19th century and into the early 20th century. And the same dynamics were present, apparently the same activities with the quote abductions i don't like that word but the the, the visitations or sure. whatever word you want to use uh was occurring at that time and continues as they've reincarnated in the same family roles right and that's that may have been a pattern that goes back uh to the well to the beginning of the, when this started sure sure and have you have you since then since you've been doing these uh in types of investigations have you come across other people who are having the same type of experiences or they keep coming back as well? Well, this, this, yeah, this book was focused on Lindsay. We were oh, very gotcha. disciplined 
<laughs> gotcha. Well, sure. And I mean, Lindsay's story, because Lord knows this thing could have gone a thousand different directions. Yeah, if you got one real good story, you might as well stick to it and, and get everything, all the information that you can for that story. Right. Well, I mean, I, I you know, we uh, we as a spirit, we uh, we we sign these uh, what we would call soul contracts and and everyone's soul contract is different from the other one. But uh, I mean, we are very unaware of what we're actually doing because in spirit, it's different uh, than it is here. And uh, this is a learning place. Uh, but I, I mean, it, how do you how do you talk to somebody about that? Because they're not really truly aware all the time of all the times they are being taken until now now she does know now she understands it i'm sure but uh but does she does but does she know now that uh she may have to come back and do this all over again she accepts that and she 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 reached a point to where um she was satisfied that okay she did make an agreement and she made yeah. an agreement she would definitely stick to it yeah um but some of the other things that uh it came out of in the course of the investigation. Um, and this was in pendulum conversations with uh, some of her deceased relatives who were very, very interested in Lindsay's story was that uh, growing up on, there was a, where she lived growing up was a very special place uh, in and of itself. And some of the entities that she was seeing as a child uh, were not just what you what would call shadow people or, or right. ETs or whatever, but it turned out were the spirits of Caddo Indians, Native okay. Americans who lived in that area for, sure. for thousands of years. And we, we went to the property upon learning that, and I'll pass it over to Dan because he had a, a, a method of working with spirits who may be earthbound. Sure, because there, there are lots of them. Yeah, well, in this case, uh, this goes back to, uh, you, you've heard of the uh, New Madrid earthquake, 1811? Yes. Yeah, it was a massive earthquake that uh, gave the appearance of actually reversing. It was so strong, it actually appeared to, be, to reverse the flow of the Mississippi River. Well, shortly before that happened, the Caddo Indians north of uh, Shreveport uh, had some kind of visitation. The chief said that we, we've got the message and we've got to get out of here. The, our water is going to go bad. We have to go south to find good water. And the area to where they, they went was the area where uh, there was uh, some natural springs that had been there for you know, hundreds of thousands of years, good, clean water. Sure. And that's where they settled when the, when the quake hit, they had good water. And one of those, uh, one of those natural springs is on the, the Lindsey Higgins family property. And when we visited there, uh, we had a couple of mediums working with us during this project. And one of the mediums noticed immediately that there were, I believe, I believe there were six spirits of Indians there. And we spoke with them and they were there primarily. They weren't trapped. They were there because they really wanted to uh, basically protect the property. They were out there to, to sure. make sure that their, their sacred ground remained sacred ground. So we conversed with them. We, we convinced them that, you know, the owners of the property who we knew, Lindsay's parents, actually her dad. Yeah, he was present at the time. Yeah, he was present at the time. And we convinced them that, uh, you know, they respected the property. They had only the best interest of the property, uh, you know, in mind. And we asked them if uh, they wanted to stick around or if they wanted to cross over. Three of the six 
uh, wanted to stay around and, and remain with the property, but three of them wanted to wanted to cross over. So we actually crossed over uh, three of the spirits at that, you know, at that session. That's that's good. Yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, they don't. I don't believe they always get that ask that question as well. Because uh, I, again, that's one of my things that I do is I cross spirit over, and uh, but some of them do want to stay. Not all of them do want to cross over, but many of them do. But they all have many reasons for why they don't want to cross over. Mm -hmm. But uh, but uh, yeah, that's I mean that's a that's a great thing now. But so the so the other three just decided that they were just going to continue on with the uh with the with the same deal of trying to protect the the uh the land itself correct? yeah and this is my interpretation but i think the three that crossed over felt like hey you know these are nice people they're gonna they're gonna they they're gonna honor it. the property yeah. and the other three probably felt uh you know a duty they had they had made an agreement to stay there so they probably felt like well you know it, this is our duty so we'll we'll stick around a while yeah this would just this is just one episode of Lindsay's interactions, if you will, with the spirit world. It's not, yeah. it's not just with ETs. Uh, in fact, the book opens uh, with a uh, little detective work that Dan and I were doing to determine who was Lindsay's invisible friend when she was two and three years old. <laughs> uh, and uh, let me summarize the story and then Dan can pick it yes. up. Um, in my phone call, when Lindsay called that night, uh, first story she mentioned was uh, back when she was two or three and her her father's a restaurateur and at that time uh, he acquired a, a railroad station central station oh. and converted it into a really nice restaurant oh, where the cool. restaurant was downstairs and the family lived upstairs and during this time when the restaurant is active Lindsay would be upstairs in her room alone and um, on one particular day, she was just a little bored and really wanted to go outside because there's a big, huge balcony uh, um, above the first floor. And well, some people outside walking down the street see this little two, three year old girl uh, wandering around the balcony. Right. And so they go inside and say, wait a minute. <laughs> so everybody rushes upstairs. And uh, yes, this big, big double hung wooden window has been opened and Lindsay's hopped out and she's brought back in the windows closed. And the questions asked, Lindsay, how did that window get open? Well, my friend Morlock opened it. Right. Right. And that kind of got things started on a detective story where Dan was in town um, and we were checking with some locations again that were known to have a, a presence and just kind of on a lark, I said, Dan, uh, we're near Central Station. I know it's closed, but let's go by there anyway. And let's see if there's any spirits present, because I sure would like to find out if a certain story is true. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah. And yes, there were. And I gave the story and they said, yep, it happened. And I'm the one who raised the window. Wow. And wow. Now, yeah. now the search was on, well, who is this person? And that's right. where the pendulum really came in as a detective tool. Yeah, yeah. I when I uh, when I talk to some people who uh, who I find out that their children also are able to have this ability as well, because most children have it because we're all born with it. But uh, some of it it fades away when in our lives because you know we get taught the ways of the world. It's basically the world throwing a bucket of bleach over top of us and then and and take it, and then start teaching us a bunch of lies in this world. But uh, 
what I tell people, some someone will say, well, well, my daughter has this ability. And I say, so what are you doing about it? And I say, I don't know. What should I do about it? I said, well, she's able to see spirit. Why aren't you talking to your daughter to ask those spirits some questions so you can get some answers? And they go, they all say, I never thought to do that. <laughs> Why would you not think to do that? That's a, it's, you have an information box sitting right in front of you, a little kid who can see people that you wish you could see. And, and these, these are people who are sometimes related to you, sometimes not. And they can bring you all kinds of information. And then you can find things out about how to get through your life a little bit better because they know. And she was like, oh, I just didn't think about that. I was like, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that that's great for, for the uh, – the, so did this uh, did this actual – this spirit, this being, did, did they continue to be with Lindsay throughout her life? Or has it since disappeared since then? Not as active as when she was young, but uh, we did ask, you know, if, if the spirit is still still interested in Lindsay. And of course, uh, that was the, the case. Right. Right. That's well, hey, I mean, at least as a little kid, she had someone looking out for her and, and uh, that which is really neat, you know, but uh, but yeah, people want to find out how that happens. So. So after that story, after that person, uh, that person was helping her, who was the, who was the next, uh, say, being that came in for her after that? Yeah, uh, you, you stumped me on that one because, uh, yeah, uh, Warlock, who was, uh, his, his real name was W.D. Woodworth, and stayed with her pretty much uh, all the way through. He's her, he's her dad, so he's always kind of hanging around with her. We right. run into we run into several spirits investigating around Shreveport, Bossier City, who knew W. D. Woodworth, and they were associates or family and friends. And we run into them, run into them on several occasions. Oh, so but, you've uh, had spirit tell you about other spirit? Oh yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We had <laughs> All yeah, this, the, uh, the, the, this, awesome. this investigation into into the Morlock character was our true detective story. We had. Uh, you know, a spirit lead us to another spirit who led us to another spirit who led right. us to another spirit. Uh, you know, we were we were directed like like a detective story to to find out who this more like character was, and we finally did. Sure, that's I mean, and who who else better to ask than someone else who was also around that same time could tell. Well, you there's an interesting component to the asking asking too, Daniel. That uh, there was a session where we were uh, had Lindsay present. And specifically, we were wanting to use the pendulum to speak with the, sp the spirit of Lindsay's previous incarnation as Sally Murphy. Yes, let, let's get into the pendulum part and how that and, works for you. And how, how is it that you ask questions and get answers through using the pendulum? Very specifically. <laughs> yes, I have a pendulum. Yes, but the, I don't use it very often, but uh, I have used it and. I had a friend come over to my house and she brought it over and I said, Oh, that's a pendulum, isn't it? And she said, Yeah. And I said, What are you going to do with that? And she showed me and she would ask it questions and questions. She would hold it and she would say, Well, I'm going to ask uh back and forth is a yes and uh, side to side is a no. And I was like, Okay, whatever. And because I did I was so new to it, I didn't really get what it meant. And she was asking the questions and it would move a little bit here and there. But then she I said, Can I try it? And she said, Sure. And when I held on to that thing and I did the same thing, that thing was swinging back and forth and side to side. Mm -hmm. And she said, she said to me, I've been using this thing for five years and I can't get it to do that. I was like, 
everyone's different. You know, it, it works different for everyone. So how does it work for you guys? Well, yeah, for me, uh, a right a swing in a right circle is a yes. A swing in a left circle is a no. If it goes back and forth, that means uh, I'm not going to tell you or I don't know or uh, just, you know, you've asked a stupid question. <laughs> or, or, or rephrase the question, perhaps. Sure, sure. Because sometimes, uh, like in the very beginning, when I was uh, starting out as a finding it, I was a medium. I was not always asking a, a question in the correct way. Exactly. So I said, maybe you should right. ask it differently. So that's what I started doing. Now I've, I've got myself accustomed to doing that now, and that's how it works for me. So is that that is that basically how it worked for you? Yeah, I can, I can give you a perfect example of how that works. Uh, questioning questioning is, is essential. Yes. Um, I have done for about 20 years a lot of uh, looking for missing persons work. Oh. And I would be working on a case, and I would ask, you know, is this person alive? You know, the obvious first question. And I always get a yes. And But when we would find the person, we, the person would always have been deceased by the time I asked that question. But how are they alive? That's the thing. Exactly. Right? See, eventually, after time and after time, after time, they could, wait a minute. I don't believe people die. The, the body dies, but the person yes. is still alive. Yes. So I was getting a correct answer. Yes, yes the person is alive. But, but I was interpreting was my interpretation was wrong because I was interpreting it as meaning the physical body was alive. Right. So right. the question, the point is, the questions are are key, and your interpretation of that question is is really key. Yeah, but some people ask me those same questions. Now, my question that I ask to get an answer, I say, "Is this person alive within a body?" And then that's when I get a yes or no answer. Yeah, I use, "Is this person physically alive?" I, the same thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and so you also not just only use the uh, the pendulum, but you use dowsing rods as well, correct? Yeah, mostly the pendulum, but every once in a while I'll bring out the rods. What what do you feel you use uh, works best for you? Is it the uh, pendulum or the rods? For me, the pendulum works best. Yeah, and and that may be just because I've used it so much that I'm yeah I'm more proficient at it. But I, I'm real comfortable with the pendulum. Sure. And how long have you been using the pendulum for? God, probably a quarter of a century. Wow, that's a oh, long wow. time. So, so you, I would say that you are an expert at that, correct? Uh, self-taught. <laughs> self-taught. Well, aren't we self-taught with everything in this world? I mean, everything is pretty much. Yeah, we learn from other people, but that's because those other people learned how to do something as well. So, I mean, but you're just finding out what works for you and how how well. Right. Yeah. Every, yeah. To me, everybody everybody has a psychic skill. This is the one that works for me. Yeah. 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 And if it works for, if that's the way it's going to work for you, I mean, why, why quit now? Right. So yeah. absolutely. And so my question is, I hear stories from people that uh, they have usually either one or the other one being the, the spiritual uh, beings that are coming to visit or the other is they are having these extraterrestrial visits, but I'm, this is the first time that I've heard about someone who's actually having both at the same time or consecutively. Is that is that the is that well, the way we it? we were fortunate in the sense that we were able to communicate directly with an extraterrestrial that we we call ET, but it was the 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 individual who was primarily concerned with this long term program that Lindsay was participating in. Right. So it was um, quite refreshing that um, you. The pendulum is an excellent way to communicate directly with ET. Uh, and did did you find out whether or not 
or what's the best? Let me ask this question differently. Uh, the the beings that were were doing these experiments with her had they been along for the same amount of time that when the contract was actually signed? I mean, is there were you getting any proof or any uh, just questions answers that these beings that had been doing these abductions with her had been along for the, the that whole you know four thousand year period? Do they live that long? The impression I got. Um, you know, we didn't specifically get into that kind of detail because that was deviating from the focus on uh, Lindsay's other experiences. But that, yes, there was a team, uh, a specific team that was appeared to be consistent right. uh, throughout time. And it was kind of managed by this individual that we re referenced as ET who was principally communicating with us. And I would have to guess that they don't live uh, in a sense of, uh, of space and time that we do. That would be my that would be my guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that because I mean, for us to imagine that there's someone out there living who's been alive for three or four thousand years, that's quite a long time. But I would have to imagine again, as I tell people, you know, spirit where where they are in that realm, when spirit leaves here and they they leave their body and they go to another realm, they are they are thinking, oh, we're going to walk through that door anytime to join them at some point. In a couple of days, but a couple of days to us, maybe 30 or 40 years, as opposed to a couple of days to them. So I would, I would have to imagine that would be the same thing for the, for these beings as well. It would seem so. You know, the, the, the spirit work what we keep getting is like uh, once you cross over, you know, time and distance are relevant. They, they yeah. don't really they don't really exist over there. Yeah. And in some ways, they uh, just are. They just are. In some ways, the. Uh, the ET experience, the extraterrestrial, uh, in their ability to, to travel vast, vast distances are apparently tapping into some sort of uh, portal. Yes, some sort of way they're tapping into, into a similar experience or maybe the same experience. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe a dimensional thing. We really don't know. Have you have have you had any experiences throughout this process of, of actually seeing anything? Uh, as far as what we would call the uh, the ETs, <laughs> there we go, man. I, I, I must have hit something on the nail. Let me the see. What do you think, George? I don't know, Dan. You want to go first, or <laughs> I don't. Joe, first, something is going. I don't know what it is. Something is going on between the ETs and uh, me and George. I don't know what it is. George, uh, George is seeing orbs all the time. Okay, and well, he's seeing, seeing clouds. And out here, and you know, I'm 1,200 miles away. Uh, I'm seeing uh, the TikTok type crap that that have uh, been coming okay. out lately. I've seen disc craft, and I've seen a lot of lights, exhibit bright lights in the sky exhibiting non-ballistic motion. And that has uptick since we that has uptick greatly since we've uh, been involved with Lindsay. Yeah, we see them as well down here, and and uh, oh yeah, and I've Vista. seen them down there. Yeah, we've seen them over, over the top of the mountains, uh, over uh, right right next to our house, and the, and of course, you know, uh, you know what's down here in Sierra Vista, I'm sure, right? Yeah, well, I was I was down in uh, down in your part of the country uh, a year or so ago doing an outdoor ceremony, and I looked up, you know, and there were bright lights exhibiting non ballistic motion over the dragoons. Yeah, 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 and being here in Sierra Vista, I mean, we're right next to the, the largest intelligence base on in the oh, United yeah. States. Fort so. Huachuca. Yeah, Fort Huachuca. Yeah, I'm 
right down the road from Fort Worth. Yeah, it's not too far. But uh, yeah, there's stuff going on there as well. Um, so like, so like myself, I'm so spirit medium. Uh, but so the 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 beings that I'm in contact who are uh, they they touch me on my face for yes and no answers. I get t different touches for different answers, but I always get uh, touches on my forehead and on my face. Those are all yes answers. And I only get one that feels uh, going down the side of my face, feels like a tear running down my face. And that's a no answer. Uh, but the other ones feel like blood dripping across my face. Uh, and then the ones that I'm in contact with are what we would refer to as archangels. But as I tell everybody, they're not men with wings. They don't have wings and a shield and a sword. And they're not fighting a battle in heaven and all that crap. Because that's just brought to us by the people who want to tell us how to live our lives the way they want us to live it. And give them 10%. Because, you know, yeah. how did they know about 10% back then? Because they were kings and queens. That's who wrote those books. But uh, But these beings that I see all the time, I've only seen one or two that actually look human. I, most of them, uh, or some of them look humanoid, but not exactly human. But the ones that I see uh, on a frequent basis, in the very beginning, I saw these beautiful bluish white lights coming up from the floor. Now I actually see them. And when I see them, uh, how many archangels do I have with me? They tell me all of them. How many is that? Thousands. But the ones that I see in my room all the time, it's like looking at these seven or eight foot prey mantises standing in my room. And I know, I just know what they are and what they do for us and what they do for me. And they're trying to, they're here to try to help us and they're trying to give us information to help us get through our lives all the time. But uh, yeah, whenever I see them, I see their big giant bug eyes and they're looking at me and I see their little arms coming down. And, uh, but they touch me a lot too, not just uh, for answers, but the, uh, they, as they tell me, they're preparing me for something else that's coming. And so they touch me all over my skin. And they're uh, like that movie, The Avatar, where the guy's getting uh, yeah. he's in this little um, clear bubble thing and they're working on him. Well, that's what they're doing on me. And they tell me they're doing that because they're working on my soul so I can see them and hear them and communicate with them better all the time. Do you guys see these types of uh, types of beings as well or are you having the, any of those types of experiences at all not not in that fashion um, um probably the most poignant uh, experience i had in the process of researching this book um was oh, actually december 28 2020 um 7 a.m in the morning wake up bright-eyed bushy tail ready to get rolling Go into the living room, open the blinds. It's pre-dawn, and look look across the street. And hovering above my neighbor's house is a twenty-foot orangish yellow sphere. Um, uh, I'm just looking at that thing and making every possible observation. Uh, the street light below it uh, had a light pollution bulb, so it's kind of an orangey yellow light, very similar to the color of the sphere. I noticed that the circumference of the sphere was not hard or fixed. It was kind of like feathered, like a, paint, a painter would feather. Uh, and it had some shimmer to it. So it was, uh, it was not a static or, or, or dull uh, thing. You could see the streaks of sunlight off in the distance behind it. And it was just the most remarkable thing. And the second remarkable thing was what I decided to do after thoroughly observing it. 
which one would think would be to step outside and look at it directly or hell, grab the iPhone, see if I can get a picture of it. Sure. But what I ended up doing was uh, go feed the cats, <laughs> get a cup of coffee. How many, how many cats do you have, George? How I many got two porch kitties. Oh yeah. I, I have they nine cats here at my house, so I get it. So, uh, so do you, I'm, I'm sure you uh, understand that the, at the same time that you open the curtains and uh, was observing them that they were observing you. I mean, oh, absolutely. In fact, let they, me finish they, the story. They were That's probably it. sitting inside going, oh, he just opened the curtains. He's looking at us now. Awesome. So, Well, when I walked back by with a cup of coffee, of course, it was gone. And that's when it went click. I said, okay. Right. All right. I see what they're doing. Sure. They were giving me a taste of what's known as um, alien apathy. Okay. And that's the case when someone has an encounter or some experience and they react to it in a way that is far different from what they would usually do or would be expected to do. Sure. Um, and that night when I was meditating on it, because it, it was just such an incredible experience, uh, it just nailed that, yes, everything that we're researching, everything we're doing, it is absolutely genuine, real, and and being encouraged to continue. And I got a sense of a phrase to describe what had occurred that morning. And that phrase was diplomatic reveal. And I, mm. I think that was a very precise way to describe what had happened to me that morning. It was very personal. It was done strictly for me. And that's something I, I mm. thought back that when I was interviewing people back in the eighties and nineties that for many of them, they felt it was a very personal encounter. Sure. And now I understood what they meant. So sure. there was just a lot of information conveyed in just observing the, the sphere and in understanding that they were giving me a taste of how the communication works on a mental level. And it is very, very subtle, very yeah. subtle. Yeah. But, but you, you felt it enough that you absolutely knew this is exactly what was going on. This is what was taking place. Well, this is literal. I mean, I'm literally seeing it. I mean, but yeah, I was but it, it was enough for you to make a statement. This was Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson with UFOs, UAPs, pendulums, star people, alien abductions. What's next? For more information about Dan and George, please see the description of the podcast for links to their websites. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time on Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson.